Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars... Well, and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tamal. It's Matt Byrne on the board. Here, luckily, because they cleaned up the expressway after a semi whacked into a light pole, and the light pole, instead of falling on its one way, it fell across the expressway. It was totally closed on. I thought you'd never be here. Yeah, that's what clogged up the... Uh I don't know, the, 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 the main vein of the city. So once you uh, spoken like a true Northwest Sider, <laughs> so once you got past, there couldn't have been much traffic. Uh, no, actually, it was, it was clogged up a little bit after that because people were, you know, driving like crazy to get where they were going because it was a, up to be like a 20-minute delay at some parts. Well, you get, to, you get to go way faster to make up time. Everybody knows that. Yeah, you got to go uh, uh, 80 miles per hour, as uh, Doc Brown says. Yeah, do we have Mr. Greg? We do indeed. Greg, you with us? I'm here, Chief. Glad you guys are okay. Yeah, I heard of the thing, and I'm going, hey, I think my, like, my buddy's on the other other side of it closing, <laughs> and sure enough, I get the text, hey, Chief, I'm a little late. Um, anyway, what's up with you? How was your weekend? Uh, weekend was good, all the way up until I opened Twitter. How about you? Um, what did they say on Twitter? Oh, I saw, you know, what was going on in the loop uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Oh, that's always nice. What, yeah. uh... I don't, um... There was a video, too. Oh, great. And I quit watching it about ten seconds in. Is, uh... As, as a younger... Per- well, you guys, obviously, are both a lot younger than me. Um, you know, but I drive around. I had to do a christening party yesterday, so I was on the south side, then I was on the west side, back to the south side, back downtown. Um, you see people driving. You see people even walking. You see people riding bikes. You see people shooting people. This, this is about as close to anarchy as I've ever seen. There's not any adult anywhere to stop anybody from doing anything. It's, it's incredible to me. Well, I'm not sure if you guys have seen it yet, but there is a video of, I think, 400 or 430 South Clark, and about five people or so pull out guns and just start firing at each other. And it's, I want to say, 2 or 3 in the morning. This is right in front of the jail. To go down. Just right oh, yeah, right in front of the jail. Yeah, right in front of the jail. Yeah, and two people go down, and I'm not sure how many were hit. It's just not what you want to see a couple blocks from work. Um, so they, I'm assuming they're all under 25. The one was 29. Okay, oh, under 30, okay. And the other one might have died later, but uh, they're, yeah, 23 and 29. Now, I'm going to say these... Gentlemen did not necessarily live in that area. Uh, I didn't didn't check in that far, but just kind of frustrating. Everything was 
everything was fine until you opened Twitter. You just got to close your eyes. Well, you see, no, you you could uh, get ahead of that if you wanted to. I'm not saying you should. Just saying. That's not a bad idea. Well, I, I'll, I'll I'll explain to you, Lucy, how you do that. Just on on, on Sunday morning, maybe around eleven o'clock after you have your coffee and whatever, uh, and you have the girl of the week over or whatever you got going on, you know, type of thing. Um, get kick into just just for 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 bleeps and grins. Look at hey jackass. Hey. Yeah, you don't want to do that because I did that Sunday morning as I do every week because in case it's crazy, I always want to talk about it on the show and the the uh, it, it is. I don't know which part of here you want to you want to know that which is stunning and what isn't, but uh, the uh, one, one thing I was looking at yesterday, the uh, amount of people. Let's see the. Uh, oh, I know. I have a. I have a question for you too. Now, I know Flanagan's listening. He, he should close his ears. I want to ask ask him the same question. And I'll, I'll bet now Matt might know this. I'm going to say you probably won't, Greg. Not saying anything bad about you, but Matt's kind of a wordy guy, you know. So if I killed you by defenestration, what do I do to you, Matt? I'm going to go with. Defenestration. This is like the spelling bee. You got to break down by root words. D e f e n e s t r a t i o n. Are you removing some sort of fluid from the body, or some uh, some sort of chemical that's, from the body? That's seriously. Well, I guess in a way you sort of are. By the time you're done. But <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't think that's that's what you're doing. Yeah. I'm stumped. What what is it? Throwing somebody out a window. Ah. I wouldn't. I would. I had no idea. And I'll bet. And how do you know this, Chief? I'm right. I'm reading Hey Jackass. Oh, okay. They're talking about how people get killed, and uh, let's see. Remind me not to make you angry ever. Well, here it's a gunshot. This is a cause of death. Two thousand twenty-two. Gunshots three sixty-eight. Trauma fifteen. I don't know what that means. You must whap somebody up the head, I guess. Stabbing eleven. Strangulation two. Child abuse one. Defenestation one. Unknown one. Yeah, uh, the but I, there's one uh, part here where I was looking at uh, the I don't know why I, can't, why I can't find it today. I was looking at it yesterday. It had to do with how many people are are actually arrested. It's like nobody. There's a uh, see shot placement homicide trend. Um, was the defenestration by the offender or by the uh, victim? If, if you wing Matt out the window, he's he's dead by defenestration. And what is the past tense? De- defenestration. So who got thrown out the window? Well, I don't know. Somebody they, they, they don't they don't know anybody. Any, they don't arrest anybody. The victim or the assailant? I think the victim died from that. Oh. Um. So get a little, here, here, oh, here's what I was looking at. This is this is like really really scary. Um. 2022 race of victim slash assailant. Black people, 317 victims. Now, blacks are what, 20% of the population? So this, this is not good. Assailant... In the city, it might be 30. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm say I think the city used to be like a third, third, third. I know, but I think it's... it's whites and blacks are down. Hispanics are way up, I think. But anyway, ah. uh, I, I could be wrong. But anyway, victims, 317. Assailant, 35. So what does that tell you? Hold up. We don't even know. We, we know who slightly over 10% of the assailants are. 90% of the people got away. 
Hispanic, 62. Assailant, 14. Sort of the same thing. Whites, 20. White other, I guess that means Asian or whatever else you can be. Only two assailants. So, you know, we're catching like 10% of the people at best. That's not good. Oh, someone called the mayor. Yeah, I come to call the mayor. And we uh, <laughs> get a little of this carjackings. We're, we're, uh, there's 811 so far this year. There's only been 51 arrests. It's 6.3% of the people are arrested. What Maybe that's why everybody wants to move to the metaverse. Uh, somewhere. Yeah, you want to move somewhere. What, uh, anyway, so yeah, it's been, uh, there, we have, uh, how many, how many, this year, how many, uh, I don't know, there's another, another chart in here, how many people shot, nine people got shot, eight, six, but, no, you're talking about this, uh, uh, Saturday, actually it's, uh, Sunday morning, correct? No, no, Saturday morning. 3.20 a.m., 400 South Clark, two people shot, right? Video shows shootout yeah, that left one dead and one injured at a downtown parking lot. You know, I got a great story about that jail. Uh, there I was, man of my own business. Years. This is when the Hawks got in the playoffs, long before the run where they got the three Stanley Cups. This is like this is like Jeremy Roenick era. They had been in playoffs forever, so they get in the playoffs. This is back before when things were a little. So we say early nineties. Oh no. Well, it must have been early 90s, yeah, or late 80s, somewhere in there. So we were over at, uh, I think we were at the, uh, the name of the place, Excelsior. And, of course, somebody said, well, hey, let's go over to the Z's on Clark to watch some of the Hawks. So we go over there, and there had to be 15 squad cars in front of the place, like double parked all the way down the block. Now, mind you, this is right, right across the street from the U.S. jail, right? And there had all these cops were inside drinking and watching the game. This is before anybody watched anything like that. That night, somebody somebody gets like a, a weight, steals a weight from the weight room over at the jail. And they got these little, you know, got those little slit windows. Well, he pounds out enough of one of the windows. He must have been a skinny dude. He sneaks out and he comes down on a bunch of bed sheets tied together. He must have landed on top of a cop car. If so, if somebody would have had a video of this guy coming down with all these cop cars in front of the place, and then the guy's watching inside. Drinking beers, watching the game. Can you imagine how viral that would have been? That's straight out of a cartoon. That would have been straight. I mean, that would have been worldwide at about a nanosecond. All right, you only got five minutes. What's going on in the commodity market? Gas, uh, oil prices getting hammered. Gold sneaking up a little bit. What do you make of all that? Um, by the way, I, drove, I was thinking of you Saturday night. Zodder and I drove out to one of our favorite little spots in uh, in Lenox or Mokina, one of those places. The corn went from being like less than knee high three weeks ago over my head. It's huge. Is this going to be a bumper crop? It definitely is going to be bumper crop in South America. I'm not sure about here. It depends a lot about the heat uh, the next you know week or two. But I think that the oil prices at least might indicate the uh, R word that we're not allowed to say. So maybe people are trying to get ahead of that. But that's my best uh my best shot at explaining what's going on. In Did you see of, you see the thing uh, I see the thing I sent you uh, last week that Carl Carl sent me? I uh, the, bought all the the huge encyclopedia of everything you want to know about gasoline from the gasoline. Oh yeah, that was that's pretty, great. Pretty awesome, wasn't it? <laughs> we'll save that for next week. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. But it uh, basically was uh, what gas prices are up twenty five percent, and the actual demand or quantity demanded. I'll be accurate. 
was that it was down like what 10 11 12 percent from last year animal spirits well yeah I mean, but i mean there's we were, we were nine million uh, barrels a day last year and we're what seven eight now or something yeah starbucks uh <laughs> just to show their sales were lower but their what was it their average ticket was higher well so duh <laughs> Funny, funny yeah. things happen when you raise. Here we go. We got, let's see. In uh, uh in last year we were at uh, nine point five million barrels per day, and this year we're like eight five five. So what's that down? Twelve percent, something like that. <clears throat> and our and the prices are, uh, we're like up twenty five percent. Not last week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know what's weird in the southwest side? They're they're coming down like a penny a penny a day. They're, they're really hanging on to it. They're still uh, it's 484 in most places, and it should be, you know, 385 right now if you look at the RBOB. We're not even close Here's to that. Here's a fun fact. Uh, the beans did the opposite last week. So whereas we came down a bunch, you know, a week and a half ago, uh, I think it was the biggest rally I've ever seen in a week. We went about maybe 13% up in a week. So, you know, uh, a 14 to $16 product moved. Maybe a dollar seventy-five in a week. That was pretty big for us. To the upside, don't was anybody expecting that? Uh, I wasn't. Luckily, I didn't have anything on there. But our our spreads, if you go out six six months or a year, our spreads are we're still way over what those are. I mean, close to a dollar, I think. Well, what is the uh, is anybody uh, hazarding a guess or? Uh, Let's put it this way, dipping their toe anywhere in this corn bean spread, that spread's going to be all over the place. I don't think so. That's that's kind of a few few people who are really, really in tune. I mean, that was one of the most popular spreads when uh, my brother was down there. Well, you have to have either corn or beans if you want to make money as a farm, really. So if you're planting less of one, you probably should have more of the other. Well, but the the the, uh, the chalk this year was, or the tout, was that because of the cost of fertilizer, people were going to plant a little less corn and more beans because you don't need near as yeah. You that's don't true. Need. You know, to the three or four percent, not well. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, it's it's a lot, but it's not. You know, it doesn't <laughs> doesn't make a ten or fifteen percent difference really in your peanut, or at least it shouldn't. Well, but what I'm saying is, you wouldn't. If that's true, you wouldn't really expect a massive rally in beans come August. Yeah, if, if you go from, uh, I want to say, no beans now, out to, I don't know, six or eight months, you you got more than a dollar. Well, what's what's the uh, what's the skinny well, last question? Because we're running over here, but that's okay because we didn't have you that long. Um, what's what's the skinny on these ships leaving Ukraine? They say they've got permission to leave. By who? The Russians? I think one or, one or two have actually left. We don't really know. Supposedly five uh, were going to leave yesterday. Yeah, we don't really know what's in those ships because some of them were loaded before the invasion. So whether or not you know they're good or not. But it is nice to see that nobody's blown them up and that they have the escorts. Uh, some of the experts would say the real question is will those ships go back and the insurance related to that and the escorts and stuff like that 
Um, is there, are there still, I'm going to say there must be, but everything is, is everything shipped out of here now, shipped by container, or do they still have grain ships? There, I'm not positive here. I think it's mostly grain ships. Okay, because when we used Depending to do a... Overflow. Overflow, I mean, you can put it in whatever, but I don't know if it lasts as long. When we did uh, we, some people were associated with PTI, did some cash business way back in the day. Uh, and I think when they sent beans and stuff to Thailand, I think they were in containers. Because it won't... Yeah, our stuff, our stuff is headed out, I want to say... Well, the ports are open now, so depending on where, what they have available, it's, it, it's not really a long-term... It doesn't take that long to get there, so what they put it in isn't as important unless you're really keeping it in there. I think the northern areas where you... Uh, you train it to Portland. <clears throat> I think those guys are uh, mostly containers. Yeah, the barging the and Northwest was yeah, the, the barging and the closest. You know what? Uh, down. Here's a here's a little blast from the past. Um, way back in the day, Pullman had the uh, patent on the covered hopper car. Remember those? Oh, the patent. Yeah. What happened? That well, was a I good mean, one. Well, I mean, it runs out after 17 years. It had to be 50 years ago. <clears throat> or more. Oh, 17 years? Oh, yeah, well, that's what a patent is, right? <coughs> Unless you can goose it another two years like they did Viagra. The original ideas. Well, I mean, they goosed it another two years for Viagra for whatever stupid reason, so they could charge 50 bucks a pill instead of five. You know, a lot of things that drug companies can do. But uh, obviously, Matt, when you see a coal car come by, that's like a hopper car. Mm. Right? It's, but nobody cares if the coal gets wet, right? Hell yeah. But if it's grain, that's not the best oh, thing. Chief, I got that wrong on the Nope July beans. I got that wrong. It's about even. Okay. All right, bud. Well, we'll have you for your full time next week, if not sooner. Take care of yourself. SP Futures up 16. The SP Futures up 69. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. 
Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Losing his mind. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome to Stacks and Jacks. Now, Tom Howell, Matt Byrne on the board. SB Futures up 17, NASDAQ Futures up 72. We were down a little bit last night, but I didn't think that was going to hold. I don't know why. I was kind of bullish last night, but uh, I was. The Dow Futures up 123. I don't really see any significant movers in the Dow. There's a few. Microsoft ups a buck nine. We've got uh, um, 3M up 50 cents. We've got Caterpillar up a buck 11. Disney up a buck 48. Just generally to the upside there. Not much of any real uh, craziness. We have uh, over in Asia. Yeah, the Nikkei up 73.2%, Shanghai up 9.3%, Hang Seng uh, down 156 just hanging over 20,000, 20,045, it's 0.8%. Over in Europe, DAX up 98.7%, FTSE up 34.5%, CAC around up 56.9%. In the U.S. on Friday, the Dow was up 76, S&P down 6, NASDAQ down 63, so a very slow and mixed day on Friday. Uh, bonds down 3 basis points, 280 Again, a real crazy way for the Fed to allegedly be raising interest rates because all they've done is go straight down since they've, uh, they've decided to do that. Uh, the bond <coughs> minus four basis points, 0. 0.90. Japan up two basis points, 0.18. We've got oil is a big story. Down a dollar thirty-five, eighty-seven sixty-six. It's another one and a half percent. Rent down one fifty-four, ninety-three thirty-eight. Natural gas down twenty-six cents. Now it's down under eight bucks, seven seventy-seven. This has been the most volatile one of these things. It's been crazy. Uh, our Bob uh, unchanged at 284. That gold up 730, trying to get back over 1800 again. It did last week and then got smacked back down, but now it's making a run again. 1798.50. Silver up 37 cents, 2022. Copper down a penny, 354. Uh, we've got uh, Bitcoin up 880 to 24,067. We're trying to pump all this stuff up. Obviously, we're very, very happy with interest rates at 1.5% and these assets priced as if interest rates are going to always be 1.5%. We'll see how that works out going forward. Maybe we have 
What do you got for us, uh, Trevi Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 6.39 a.m. on Monday, August 8th, 2022. In sports yesterday, Cubs, uh, home with Marlins, lose 0-3. White Sox win against Texas, 8-2. And Diamondbacks versus Colorado, Diamondbacks win 6-4. Tonight in the MLB, Cubs with Washington and the Diamondbacks with Pirates. Now for weather in Chicago, and currently in Chicago, uh, it is, uh, as you can tell, overcast. A little rain in the afternoon, though, uh, 78 degrees currently, a high of 83 and a low of 69. Keep in mind, though, an aerial flood warning is in effect in the area. Uh, in Phoenix... Are we all right on the ninth floor? I, on the ninth floor, you know what, we should be good unless unless there's a tsunami. Yes. Uh, but Lake Michigan, not known for those. Uh, in Phoenix, clear skies, 81 degrees currently, a high of 104 degrees and a low of 79. Now for the, the, the buzzword of the day, traffic. Traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between Wolf Road to Harlem Avenue. Traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between Cumberland Avenue to Foster Avenue. Traffic westbound on the Kennedy between North Avondale to Cumberland Avenue. And keep in mind, uh, the accident that I experienced uh, was uh, on the eastbound. Uh, it was mainly at North Nagel Avenue, although right now on the maps it's shown to be a little cleared up, at least by the map standards. Uh, so it, I guess it has cleared up by now, but it, it, it was pretty heavy at that point. A uh, 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 whole uh, semi blocking about four lanes. So keep that in mind uh, if it's still causing delays right now. Uh, traffic as well as that westbound on Dan Ryan between South Union Avenue to the Jane Byrne Interchange downtown. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. We have Mr. Uh, Flanagan. You do, Tom. Good morning. All right. Now, I know I know you're cheating. But did, you know, <laughs> did you know what that word meant? I was listening, yes. Did you have any idea? Well, yeah, because I mean, I had a, a, a European history teacher in high school who talked about the defenestrations of Prague one time, which was <laughs> this rash of Murders by heaving your enemies out you know, the windows of clock towers. You're kidding. In Prague, you're back in, during the Reformation. And my high school French helps me out, too, because fenêtre is the French word for, for window, so it's pretty easy to get to def- defenestrate from that. I still think he cheated. <laughs> I, 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 I had it on. I got it with my time. Yeah. So you, <laughs> on the face of it, I cheated. So you yeah. can't be defenestrated from a cliff. Is that right? It's, it's I bet just you could. Window. Okay. I don't know. How about, what would that work, Jen? Well, is that, that, is that the movie The Mission? Isn't there a, throwing somebody over the gorge or something? I like the part where we, we average, what, how many a year of uh, people taking selfies and want to get to the edge of the cliff and fall off it? Oh. We had oh, somebody, yeah. well, somebody well, do that star James Forrestal, Forrestal, who was the uh, Secretary of the Navy you know, in the 1940s, um, and got in trouble with a bunch of columnists and, you know, conservative political commentators for, you know, commentary at the time. Uh, he was institutionalized as a psychiatric patient at the Naval Hospital in Bethesda and died mysteriously after f- falling or being thrown out of a window on one of the upper floors. Uh, and it's a, it's a few a lot of you know, conspiracy theories about how he met his end. This before or after the name of an aircraft carrier after him? This is before. This forty nine, I think, is when he died. And I think they, they, I forget when the carrier was commissioned, but I think it was after that. Wow. Um, all right. I, have a, I, have a, I know you're not a tax guy. You're a wordsmith kind of guy. But uh, I'm curious about. I mean, I, I keep dipping into this bill, and the more I do, I just get. Have both sides of the aisle. I mean, is 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 it time to just take all those people and say go get another job? How did? Well, I mean, I, I just can't even. 
on the one side, we've got the... I don't even remember these people's names. I don't want to. Who's, who's the 50th... The lady who's the 50th Democratic vote? The uh, Salima, Salima from Arizona. Yeah, now how, how exactly was her, her price... Her, her price of, of whatever... Uh, that they pull the uh, carried interest tax reform out of there. Now, how much do those people pay her? I mean, what what does what that? How does that have? What does that have to do with anything? I suspect we'll never know, Tom. I think it shows, though, that you know the way Mansion and, and Sanima were holdouts in the past, and it didn't work this time. It shows just what how much pressure has been applied here to give the Democrats some kind of you know. Lifesaver for what's going to happen in November, um, but it must have been a you know, pretty strong pressure. Well, for those that don't, uh, real real brief, uh, uh, carried interest is is one of the most bizarre things I mean I've ever come across. I mean I do actually I'm in that business. Okay, I used to, I ran a hedge fund a couple of times, uh, but here's here's the deal: if if somebody has a, puts a hedge fund together, which is a carve out from the thirty three or four act or both which means you don't have to go through a prospectus. You can raise money, but only from people who are sophisticated investors, blah, blah, blah. And it allows the people who manage the fund to participate in the profits. Now, for the people whose money I manage, either on a fee basis for a few places or as we discharge commission at PTI, um, I, don't, I can't participate in any of that, nor would I want to. I, mean, I could if I put money in. I mean, if, if you put in a million and I put in a million, I get half. But... Um, uh, I don't really have the millions to fly around, but, you know, I mean, anyway, I, c- I could participate. But a hedge fund, sometimes the fee might be 2% uh, just to run it because you're a big swing and whatever, you got a reputation, and you're going to get 20% of the profits. So what carrying interest means has nothing to do with interest. It means if the fund were to make a million bucks, half of which is capital gain, okay, the bonus I get which is really just a bonus for making money. I get to take the same capital gain treatment on my bonus as the people who actually own the stocks and held them for more than a year, which to me is one of the most asinine things I've ever come across. Even though if I ever did that, I'd be the beneficiary of it. And no matter what happens, every single bill, every president swears he's going to get rid of it and nobody's been able to. And now this thing made it all the way down to to the final furlong and this lady's price for her vote was to get rid of the carried interest. Someplace, somewhere, John, you're going to have to find a huge contribution to her fund, uh, a huge, uh, you know, job for her husband, or someplace, somewhere. Why would she care about that at all? I mean, there's no way she could think it's good government. Couldn't possibly be. Just saying. Yeah, it it's, it it wouldn't. Bear much investigation, I think, Tom, before you'd find out how, how horrific this kind of quid pro quo stuff really is, uh, and how how targeted it is. You know, they, they can the particular people who all of a sudden cave, or particular people who hold out, or whatever. To me, it's it's this you know shell game of the money and the promises that are going back and forth behind the scenes. And it's never exposed. It's never talked about. Nobody pays any political price for it. Um, this is no way to run a government. This is no way to run anything. No. And then now enter the enter your side, the Republicans. They come out. When did the cover, go, the the Republicans become the the the, the, the lap child of the uh, the lapdog of the of the pharmacy people? 
All I heard was some guy whining about how if you cut back on their price of uh, of, uh, of of money they pay to Medicare, they're going to cut back on their research. Suppose, why don't they just cut back on their commercials? I'm tired of looking at them. But does anybody really think that there's any sort of connection between them charging a huge amount for a drug and doing more research? Does anybody think that's even... All they do is wait for smaller firms to do the research for them and they buy them, right? Right. But does anybody really think that, th- that that's even remotely part of the... And, and how if, if you're, you're hurting people in Medicare by getting a decent price for drugs because there won't be any new drugs and all the people in Medicare will die instead of being, being alive with the new drugs. For God's sake, John, how, how, how could somebody say that on TV with their, and watch themselves in that cringe? The, the, the pharmaceutical industry is, you know, the, my bit noir, <laughs> and it's not, it's certainly you know, across party lines. The way politicians are are bought and sold according to its whims, and we've seen it exposed horrifically on an international scale for the last three years. Um, and I think anybody who's got any illusions about how this business really runs and what sustains it, and the kind of power it has over research, you know, it isn't a question of all this money going towards research is going to make one of their drugs less profitable or unprofitable. It's it's about making. You know, research go in directions that solidifies their control over some corner of the market, some disease, some disease fighter, and you know, nobody gets a crack at it except that the ones got it locked up, and that's what this money is being thrown around to. Well, does anybody think that that seventeen years is is a real number for a patent these days? Oh God, no, no. Hey, well, I know the whole patent process is so abused. The stuff is. Patented, there's no business being patented at all. You know, it's involved absolutely no addition of any kind of technology or you know, experimentation to make it an item of personal property to anything. But it's there, you know. What, uh, this, this, I know you're not a tax dude, and I'm not really, uh, one either, but, uh, we, we, need, we need a tax dude out here. Um, Maybe maybe looking at his buddy if he's still. Where's Bob Golden when we need him? Yeah, no kidding. I think about that a lot. Oh yeah, and uh, our buddy uh, was it uh, Riola? Um, I, but he used to be the tax guy for like the NFL people and so forth in the NHL, uh, NBA. Anyway, but he, I, I'm I'm mystified as this minimum tax that the uh, corporations pay is going to be fifteen percent. All right, now it's it's a tax still on income, right? It's not on revenue. It's on income, right. correct? Right. Well, if if somebody pops out, the way I understand it, the reason why these places don't pay any tax is because they're somehow able to hide the income, either through uh, massive depreciation, some kind of drawdown here, some kind of tax. The I don't think there's too many places that actually show. I think unless they're trying to do something, the difference between your tax books and your and and we report it. I think what they're trying to say is if you if you report to us that you made a million dollars, that your taxes have to be at least one hundred and fifty grand. But your tax books might say you lost a million dollars. So how do you how are you going to charge somebody if they actually have income? They should be paying the twenty one percent. Where does the fifteen percent even come in? Right. They're not. They're, I don't. I doubt very seriously if the if your tax books say you lost a million dollars, they're going to charge somebody. Hundred and fifty grand? Do you? I mean, I, I, no. I mean, I'd love to see how this would work, but I, I'm kind of mystified. If we have anybody who knows the hell I'm, I should be talking about here, please. Uh, 
violin. Well, it's clearly a grab to me, Tom. You've you got to give you know, the Democrats some credit, I guess, for, for their you know, chutzpah here, because it's, at some level, whatever this bill actually runs to cost-wise, it is impossible to, to calculate it, I think. I don't think we know the half of what we're getting into. Uh, but they're going to have to pay for some of it. I, I think they realize they have to pay for some of it. But, but what that's going to do um, to the economy overall and to to future attempts at this kind of crazy stuff, I think, is yet Well, I want to know why we're giving somebody who buys an electric vehicle 7500 bucks, And I want to know why we're giving $60 billion to, uh, to make it the, the effects of climate change less abusive to people of color. Other than giving money to a bunch of preachers and other people like that, community activists, do, you, do, we, do we know one black person that's getting a nickel from this? No. It's, it's just another you know, naked wealth transfer that they've got a, a loincloth spread over to make it look like something else. Um, you know, th- I'd be much more in favor of this whole move towards you know, electric vehicles if they had some way of, of actually computing the cost of what it will be to replace these batteries when they all run out on the cars they're incentivizing people to buy because those costs are prohibitive and are likely to become more prohibitive over time because I don't see any way of reducing the cost of producing these batteries and Carl's our expert on that what he says about how how intensive that is to the environment and to expenditures just to make one of these batteries let alone another one when that one gives out well the the uh the efficiency of, of electricity versus uh, gasoline, um, I don't think there's any doubt that electric is more uh, efficient. However, where do you get the electric from? If you right. get it from you know, a, a gas-fired plant or an oil-fired plant 50 miles away, you're better off just burning it in a car, I think. But I, I didn't realize that the Ford F-150 that's electric is something like 2,500 pounds heavier. God's sake! <laughs> well, and what does that do to? I mean, you, whether it's uh, you know electricity or fossil fuels driving the car, what does that do to you know the, the economic operation of the vehicle when you weigh it down like that? Well, Sorry. that too. But how how exactly are we going to? How, how does a, a Tesla owner right now pay for the roads? He doesn't pay a gas tax. How, how are we right. going to figure out a way to? You know, obviously a sixty five hundred pound pickup truck is going to do some damage to the roads. Why why shouldn't he pay the same? Uh, highway tax that I do buying gas. That would seem fair, wouldn't it? But I mean, how are you going to do it? I mean, it's necessary. It's not just fair. I know, but, but how, I, how are you going to do really it? I really think that you know, the, the industry behind all of this, Tom, is the rickshaw industry, because the, the rickshaw industry is the one that's going to make out like bandits yeah. when everybody gets driven away from their fossil fuel-driven cars and their electric vehicles stop running and there's no replacement batteries for them. What else are people going to do but hire the nearest rickshaw driver? Well, uh, which will be an exploding industry, and we've already seen the kind of divvy. I don't think you and I are in shape. So. I don't think you and I are in shape to be rickshaw drivers. <laughs> oh no, uh, no they're going to have to hire a couple to haul me around. So. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I, t- I mean it only halfway facetiously, Tom. But um, it's a, it's about driving people away from the things that they have grown used to, like automobiles or you know, home ownership or things like that. It's making people flee from those by mandate. You know, it isn't like you're going to have any choice in, in any of this or not. They will be so expensive to own and operate that, that nobody except a very you know, select group of the population is going to be able to do
do it. Well, and I don't see where you learn to do without it. And where are you going to get the power for all the other stuff? Find some way of you know, <laughs> burning up all the useless people. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, uh, I just uh, as you know, every week I, I uh, for whatever reason, I keep charting this, not because it's the world's best number, but because of the change I find absolutely spectacular. As we as we talked about, what's what your your friend who's a uh, the head of the San Francisco Fed, Mary Daly? Infl- <laughs> inflation isn't bothering her because she makes enough money. Yeah, I, I'm so glad there are people like that, <laughs> and that they occasionally open their mouths to show. How much stupidity there still is in the world? So it's it's so well. I mean, she's right to a point. I mean, there's no doubt if you're. Oh yeah, uh, I, mean, I, I give her A for honesty. No? Yeah. <laughs> so I look at this U.S. debt clock, and again, the I look at the savings per family. It's down another 200 bucks last week. All right. So there's got to be 80 million families. So what is that? Uh, 80 million times uh, times 200 dollars is 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 what? It's 160 million. It's Sixteen billion dollars, right, out of people's bank accounts. Yeah, that's a lot in a week. Well, the reason why I ask is the uh, I don't know if I can find it here. Um, the uh, there's an article on CNBC regarding um, if I can. I don't know why I can't get the thing up here, but uh, article on CNBC about the amount of money cash withdrawals in the UK soar as Brits grapple with the rising cost of living. Brits are using cash as a way to manage their budgets as inflation in the country is expected to peak at over 13% in October. Britain's post office, which offers banking services as well as mail, handled a record £801 million, which is $967 million, in personal cash withdrawals in July. That's a number. The company also attributed the jump to more Brits choosing a holiday in the UK. They do, they do like their holidays over there, but still, that's a... That's a tremendous amount of cash being withdrawn. And we have a couple of, uh, actually, people from uh, UK that listen to the show. And I've gotten some emails saying that they're, you know, some of their uh, utilities are up 80% in a year. I mean, it's, it's, it's really something how people are. And I, I think the lack of people's ability to see how it's hurting other people is exactly the problem with our, you know, and the thing that gets me about even uh, mostly Republicans, Democrats too now, uh, everybody is so down on unions. And I'm not, I'm, I, for one, I was, well, I don't know if I ever was really in the team, Teamsters. My brother had to join. I don't think I did when I was doing the truck doc stuff. I don't know why they forgot me, but he was in there and he'd get his, you know, papers and all that stuff. And uh, I think I, because I just worked weekends, Jan, maybe I wasn't considered full time or whatever. But anyway, the, uh, I, I, I mean, I understand the, uh, I think I do, the, the bureaucracy that has, that infected the unions, by the way, was never as bad as what affects government. I mean, it might be bad, but it's nowhere near as bad as a city. I'm sorry. You know, uh, my uncle was the head of uh, the janitor, or uh, not the junior, the stationary engineers union, the people who work in the city for the, sco- for the schools. Yep. The guy never even got paid. They saw, I, mean, they, they, I guess they had a bureaucracy, but it wasn't like they were stealing money from anybody. But the, the, why doesn't the middle class, why don't regular people, you know, especially young people, Matt. Why don't why don't people at least understand that for whatever reason, the the agenda of the middle class kind of lined up pretty much point for point with the agenda of the unions, the private sector unions. And now that we don't have any of those, where exactly is the middle class voice in in Washington? I don't know where it is because every one of these 
stoops will go out there. And they're not, actually, they're not stoops. They're brilliant for telling the middle class how much they're working for them. Yet every single president we've had for the last how many years, middle class has shrunk precipitously in their, in their regime. Hasn't it? I mean, it well, well, you know, and, and unfortunately, the union model now is, has been completely captured by the, the public sector and the government. Um, and those are, are not the models of what you know unions would were able to do and, and actually could accomplish. They've just become tools of oppression with everything else. Um, and so you've got these you know public sector unions that are essentially monopolies. You know, yeah. At least the, you know there, there were car manufacturers that were supposedly in competition with each other when we had a flourishing auto industry or a steel industry. Um, and you know it enabled people who worked in those industries to have decent standards of living, but now the the, the model is you got people who really aren't working very hard. I'd have, I'd have to say overall, and I'm an ex union member and a teacher myself, and I'm I'm a little you know embarrassed to talk about it sometimes when I see what it's turned into, because these people are, are not really quality driven as I can see. Look at the, the performance outcomes. For the, for the teacher, you know, teachers versus pupils these days, it's terrific. Well, we'll come back from break. I think there's a there's a dramatic difference between the two, Jan. I mean, uh, SP futures up 22, Nasdaq futures up 91. We're heading, we're starting a week up the north side here. We'll see if it hangs in. I'll be right back. Stocks for Jacks. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708 403 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. I'll see you guys later. If I still have a job. I got glue on my string. <laughs> That's the way that the world goes round. 
blowing off by Saxon Jacks. I'm Tom Mr. Matt Byrne of the board. SP Futures up 23 now. As if he's up 92. Uh, we're marching north or just about everywhere, uh, except for oil. Uh, we have Mr. Flanagan with us, Jan. Uh, yep, still here, Tom. I don't, uh, you know, uh, who was very much against employee unions was uh, Franklin Roosevelt. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, I, the, the difference, I think, is, I mean, in, uh, in an argument, my one big argument I always have with Lou is he, he thinks once there's a collective bargaining agreement, everything is, everything is fair. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, most collective bargainings were never fair. They might be, a, you know, a, a march to some place, but there always was, who's, one side's always got more power than the other, right? Uh, but anyway, I mean, it, it, you know, one of the most famous strikes ever was Pullman, right? Where they were killing people. I mean, it was, uh, it, it, but when you have a company like Pullman or U.S. Steel or someplace, that gets a little more complicated when, when Union picks on one of the companies and quote the industry. Basically, it's it's a it's a fight over their pie. Is that a, is that a fair statement? I mean, it's a yep. south side statement, but I mean, Pullman. You know, the, the executives made X, the labor made X, and they made X or Y and uh, X, Y, and Z. You actually be doing math wise, and you know, the union says, "Hey, look, <laughs> we're not getting our share," and they go, and the new management says, "Oh yeah, you guys are getting way more than your share," so they fight it out. But nobody really. On the outside, especially in a competitive industry, if there are any of those left, and nobody on the outside really has a, has a, a fish in this in this pond, right? But now the but now your your employee unions it's a whole different program because if the teachers go against the city and and the money isn't there, they just tax more. So the relief is the other people, and plus the teachers are probably really needed to vote for the mayor or the union people. If the mayor is going to get back in, so it's it's definitely not an arm's length transaction. In not at all, yeah. And uh, and and, the, and the, the safety valve is, man, I fought as hard as I could, but these teachers are so tough. By the way, we're doubling taxes. Well, doubling's probably too much, but but we're doing something. And that, and that's that's the flare. So if you look at, I don't really have any thought whatsoever about how much a teacher's teacher's quote worth. I mean, a, teacher, a good teacher's worth like a lot, whatever a lot is. Uh, but th- if you look at the pr- the uh, the movement since I was in the school board or a school board, I was a school board. I was a janitor. That's not exactly on the board, is it? It's kind of a ways away from the board. Just saying. Um, if you look at teachers' salary from 1972 to today versus the rest of the people's salary, it's got to be what four times as as much. It's gone up. Yeah, and. uh Maybe maybe more than that, maybe five. Uh, so I mean, it's it now comes down to a question of relativity. Okay, in in, in uh, you know 1972, a welder made X and a teacher made X. Now I'm going to say the teacher makes twice as much as the welder, right? And I mean, I'm not saying that's not the right thing. I'm, I'm saying there's been a dramatic change, and the and the change probably is because the teachers have more political power than the welder does. I mean, it, I, just just my view of does it doesn't mean a teacher should work for all the rice they can eat. I mean, it's not they should work for five grand a year. I don't I don't believe that at all. You know that. But the the question is how to how what's fair? I mean, it, you know, on a relative scale, what's fair? The thing too, Tom, is that you know the teachers are. This sounds crass, but but they're they're less essential than they they probably think they are or they seem to be. 
because you've got school systems hemorrhaging students um, in big numbers. Um, I guess that's redundant. But, yeah. Um, but the thing is, it, this doesn't translate to huge. I mean, it, 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 what, what it's caused is a kind of reassessment of how many schools we really need. And you know this, the blowback from Emanuel's effort, you know, to close these schools that had nobody in them, pretty much, had, had you know huge ramifications for ramping up the, the unions' demands. You know, the louder and louder, louder screams. To, you know what they wanted at the table, but but it's only gotten worse since then. And it, it isn't like this translates to the, the market taking over and the reduction in the number of people being served should cause a, a much bigger reduction in the whole machinery of public education in Chicago. It's just as big and, and even more inefficient than ever, although there's fewer and fewer people actually in the system. And, you know, the Pullman strike is, is a really interesting example because I mean, that was you know, a private company, you know, the old corporate model. You know, maybe we still have some corporate models like the Pullman one. One step but, above slavery, basically. Yeah. We, you know, the, the, Pullman owned his, his workers, body and soul, and he paid them in script, and it could be redeemed at the Pullman store and as, as rent for their Pullman-owned houses and everything else. But, but the thing that finally you know pushed the strike to a head was when the, the mails were interrupted, and that's when they brought in the troops, and you know you had this melee out of the Pullman works, and it was because you know this was a, a private business that had been completely. Um, become necessary to the public good of getting timely mail deliveries and everything else and back when the mail really meant something if you interfered with that you know, the same thing happened in the 1877 mail strikes uh, there was no messing around with it this was like a quasi public enterprise now and the, the public good demanded government intervention and even, even the U.S. Army so that was kind of a precursor where I guess unions were headed anyway that they became extensions of the government pretty much, and when they do the government's bidding, which they, they you know, at some level really do. Well, they, they, the coal miners never became an extension of the government. They just were in such a horrible, they they struck because they were dying right and left. There was, I mean, those right. guys. Right, I mean, they were, the, the, they were, <laughs> they were reviled, you know, in some quarters for, for you know, even the dairy to strike. Yeah. You know, and the, the, the history of that business compared to a lot of other industries that were attempting unionization. Um John Lewis's career and it was what he became a symbol of on both sides of the political spectrum. Um, it's, it's really interesting because <laughs> you know, the, the coal miners are still taking it on the chin, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. More now than ever with, the, with fossil fuels being bashed you know, in every direction in Washington. Um, when, uh, you know, the, the emphasis should be on, of course, cleaner extraction, more efficient utilization of these, not just outlawing them. But I guess that's the route we're going down, and his latest bill is another sign of that. So, well, when uh, kind of interesting story, and uh, I mentioned this before in Bill Kennedy's book, try and figure out how bad the world was—a world meaning the U.S. Uh, Henry was Hopkins was was Roosevelt's uh, Harry assistant. Hopkins, yeah. Well, he—I don't—I'm not even sure that he he must have cleared it with him, but he he gave a driver and a car to. Uh, a lady who was a correspondent. I think she was a friend of uh, Eleanor's. Oh, Hickok. Hick, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and sent her around the country to see just how bad things were. And, and without really any kind of, there was no interstate highways, there was hardly any real highways, highways. So and I don't think the car was all that good, <laughs> even though it might have been new. Uh, but she went, 
and, and she kept sending letters back and uh and she said basically the the people that were the totally worse off it was a toss up between the coal miners who were totally screwed and the sharecroppers who were just as badly screwed i mean uh i don't i don't i mean I guess you were free being a sharecropper instead of being a slave, but I'm not so sure your daily life was, uh, on a day-to-day basis, things were any better, John. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know which I would least rather be, a sharecropper or somebody working in a coal mine. Uh, but what do, you suppose, what do you suppose the life expectancy was for a coal miner in those days? Could even well, it looked like you've made it to 40, I think. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine. And you weren't, and you weren't well either at 40. Yeah, I mean, just... Uh, but you know, and we have, you know, we have this this thing. I don't know that our people, based on, you know, a lady from San Francisco, I don't think there's any connection with what the average person is 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 seeing right now. I mean, last year, I mean, last week when uh, Carl sent that thing to us, the gasoline we're down what twelve percent in gasoline consumption this year over past the COVID year. I mean, that does not bode well for an economy that's... No, you can say there's some more Tesla cars, but it's not 12% of the gas, I don't think. I mean, we're talking about people not doing stuff that they normally would do. You know, and I... I you know, I'm not saying that the more gas... that more and more gas is a good thing, but I'm saying that they're kind of a drop-down. And, and if you do the math, the prices are up 25%. So when you have, when you have some buffoon on TV come out and say how good things are... Let's say your 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 price of gasoline um, is a dollar, or, or, or no, I mean, you spend a, you do a hundred million dollars worth of gasoline, right, Jen? Yeah. Um, so that's one hundred million. We can do that. Uh, so you, you multiply it by point nine, or actually point eight eight. So you're down to uh, ninety million gallons, right? Or eighty-eight million. But then you multiply that by one times two five. And you're going to end up with what 1.15. So you're actually your 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 sales are up 15 percent. Now is that good or bad? I mean, I guess depending on, on on what side of the argument you're on. Oh man, we're doing a great job. Look at our sales are up 15 percent. Yeah, but you've sold 12 percent less gas. You idiots. I mean, what? Don't don't you know? Don't pee in my yeah. shoes. Tell me it's raining. I mean, what? how can anybody translate that into a sign of product, increasing productivity? <laughs> no, I mean it's. And we're seeing that kind of all over the place. I went to the restaurant depot on Saturday, and I bought a my usual case of eggs, and uh, I paid forty one bucks. Now they actually a little higher than the food store, which is a little weird, but that's that's for for sure a record. All the years I've been going there, they're usually twenty twenty two, and I've got them as low as eleven. Forty one dollars. So that's what three thirty a, a dozen, and this is what restaurants are paying. Well, these are jumbo. That's, that's what I'm paying at Aldi. Well, these are jumbos. You're not buying a jumbo. Oh no, no! But I mean, they, I've seen them go from you know, eighty nine cents or whatever to three nineteen. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the last two years, so. it's I mean, it, it's it's really it's off the charts. It yeah, it's off the chart, and uh, and I don't. And we have uh, the the little stuff like the potato chips and stuff. You can't get potato chips for less than two bucks a bag, two and a half. You know, what's only got one potato in there? <laughs> Jesus. <Yeah. laughs> and lots, lots of oil. Do, do you buy that? Do you buy those? Uh, those high-end flapjacks, the Kodiak things? No. They're like six bucks a box. I know, I just buy it. Well, you know, the, but now I, you know, I buy those for the office because uh, we still have a place down here to have breakfast. And once in a while I make flapjacks. The, the box, you know, it's not a very big box. The, 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 the amount of flapjacks in there is half the box. 
the bag is actually half as big as the box. Now, but the, if they ever made the box the size of the actual stuff inside, nobody would pay six bucks for it. It's all optical illusion. There's no, there's no way you would, compared to like a regular box of pancake mix. Even if that stuff, you know, more protein and blah blah blah. There's no way on earth you would ever. If they made the box the size of the actual contents, there's no way, no way you could do it. Nobody, nobody would buy it. Well, speaking of sleight of hand, you know, looking at these job numbers, you know, that, that Carl parsed for us last week, um, and of course, you know, the Democrats have glommed onto it as a sign of you know everything's turned around, blah 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 blah. Do people really think that there's 528,000, you know, new positions that were finally advertised for that corporations were itching to get the approval to go out and search for candidates to fill? Or is it is it more a question that, as what you were talking about with people rating their savings, that now the savings are, are running out, people who, who could get by without working before have to go back to work, and this is an infusion of people who are now up against the reality that we're in a recession. If I don't get a job, job now, I may not get one in a year. So I better get it now. And that's where this so-called job growth really is. It's people kind of waking up and smelling the coffee. Well, does anybody really think, I mean, I, how these guys do these numbers, does anybody really think in the, in the month of July 25,000 people a day were hired? Of course not. How, how could that be? <laughs> yeah, how could that even be? You couldn't draft a half a million people in a month. I mean, there's, there's still as many help wanted as around here as there ever were. <laughs> well, but, like, but are, but are, but are, when we finally reached our quota, no. But but are they real? I mean, I mean, is, is the Thai place probably has a help wanted cook out there? They want to cook at twelve bucks. They don't want one at twenty. Which isn't to say that people aren't people. Aren't, I mean, if you, there's there are jobs around. The question is, what do you? What right, do you, and, or there's enough qualified cooks out there who figure they can w- wait for the $20 an hour offer, and now they realize that isn't going to happen. So maybe I better take this one. Well, I know when I, I talked, I didn't have a chance because I had to go to a, a, another shindig yesterday, but I had a chance to stop by my uh, brothers, which a little unfortunate because I, I didn't get to see the new baby, but I will this week. The, uh, um, you know, in, in the machinery world where my, my nephew is, and I love talking to him every Sunday about it, I mean, there and the, the things that the jobs that Kevin is trying to fill through their place. I mean, I think right now, as we bring some of this, I won't say back from China, but whatever, whatever, whatever's happening, we definitely want our somewhat of our manufacturing base back in our country. Now, whether we screw this up by after five months, you know, lowering all the tariffs in China, I'm not a tariff guy, but I'm saying if if we continue to make it difficult for me people to make decisions because. A, they can't borrow money at the rate other people can, and B, there's no way if you got a, a one-year uh, plant build cycle, you can't take the chance on whatever government's here in a year, whether you're in business or out. I mean, it just it is so difficult to make that decision. But say you do, I, I think you you're in a position where if you're big enough, you train your own people. But I don't know that uh, the place where my nephew works is has five extra people to train three new welders and three new manufacturing engineers. I, I, I don't I don't think I don't think these firms are not at that size. No. And uh and uh and I think that's somewhat of a problem. Now, if you were to dovetail with some of the schools that are used to be doing that kind of stuff, I mean I my cousin went to Tilden Tech, he said they had a garage there with an air, an aircraft engine in there. 
And the class would be to take the aircraft engine apart and put it back back, back together. Every class did the same thing, the same engine. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned on that closing the schools and those kinds of things. I, I have the same feeling on that, Jan, as I did about Pullman closing. You, you, you can't you can't get back. Once once it's a Walmart, it's not going to be a... You're not going to make railroad cars there anymore. You're just not going to. And the thing that about the schools, if you get an area... Let's say Inglewood. Let's say Humboldt Park. Let's say one of these areas, Garfield Park. But all of a sudden, all these people are leaving. Well, now you've got infrastructure. You've got a city. You've got stuff that's supposed to be here, even though we seem to have made it almost unlivable now. But but let, let's say that'll turn back. You know, it won't be escaped from New York anymore. Let, let's say in somebody's lifetime. Well, Jan, if you've got a square mile area or two square mile area, and all of a sudden it's empty except for two, two houses a block, Okay, maybe, maybe if you get somebody's crime under control or something, somebody might say, man, this property is pretty close to everything. But if, if you rip, I'm going to say, the Catholic Church and that school out of there, and you rip the uh, public school out of there, how does that area, how do you come back unless you show up with, I mean, you're not going to show up and have your third grader walk four miles to school. I mean, you you, you totally... You basically put the put the fork in the area when that happens. I think. I I know what you're saying, and I agree that you have. To, I mean, this is, was always a problem with the developments south of the Loop, like you know the old Dearborn Park you know, back in the '70s, and even Central Station along the lakefront. You know, until there were grocery stores that would actually make life possible for people who lived there, because there hadn't really been any shopping options before those things were built, um, or, and schools, too. So, you know, the private schools, St. Ignatius and Old St. Pat's, places like that, 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 you know, saw this coming around them and were able to take advantage of it, but the, the city certainly lagged behind, and they didn't really have enough, maybe, forethought to think about what's going to happen if we build a, a spanking new development and hope to attract families, but there's no place for those families to get their kids educated. But the problem now, too, is that you've got... You know, again, a monopoly really on education, and you've got a situation where the schools are driving people away. You know, the schools that are still here, the ones that haven't been closed or demolished, are not drawing new people to Chicago. In fact, I would say most people who know anything about Chicago before they move here for a job transfer or whatever would not think of putting their kids in a, in a Chicago public school unless they really wanted to make a statement about it and, and to be, you know, shown their confidence in the public education system, and there are such people, and maybe they keep the whole system afloat, but overall, the, the schools we have, small in number as they become, are a disincentive. So we're, we're not, by salvaging that end of it and, and keeping them open and whatever, we're still driving people away from settling here. Well, I'm not saying it's we, a... we think the kind of education system that's going to attract people, and what whether, whether that will be a public-private, you know, handshake deal or a totally private one or whatever it's what we're doing now is is a dead-end street and we've been down this road and we know where it's gotten us so well i, I guess just, i don't see keeping schools open is, is an alternative to anything it just means that you know, the, the, the the budget is going to be completely out of whack and you're still going to have people staying away from here well i, I guess I, I always hearken back first of all the south side for those who don't even remember the housing stock the geography is 10 times better than the north side in terms of lot size, in terms of everything. 
not ten times, but quite a bit nor- nicer yet. The north side, when it, when, it, when it degraded, the neighborhoods got kind of crummy and everything like that, there were still people living there. And now, the, I'll say the yuppies, the term gentrification, the yuppies basically came in, uh, and that's a bad term, but we know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, there's, there's black people, there's Hispanic people. The neighborhoods were up. Now, you might have had Halstead with all the storefronts closed, okay, which they were when Robin moved up there. But the and you might have had two families living in an apartment where I live by myself and don't think it's big enough, you know, type of thing. I mean, because I, I used to, Rabbit and I used to, uh, we bought a couple places up there and turned them around, okay? So, we, we, I understand the drill, but, but the buildings were still up. And once that happened, I mean, all of a sudden people started creeping that way, and right about where all the L stops were, people started, you know, moving out from the L stop, and all of a sudden this block was getting remodeled. John, it was all because the I think because the places were the amount of capital that flew into those areas, Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park was a bleep hole, right? All those stops, yeah. Tom. Yeah, were, um, they were they were horrible. Brown purple. I mean, they were they were. I mean, feedy would be I guess the, the kindest word, but they were working class neighborhoods, really, um, all along there. They were, they were but they were mostly immigrant populations. Yeah, you they wouldn't be. They they were not like. The South Side, one family to one bungalow. We're talking no. two families. No, it was a holdover. It was yeah. what, what the densest part of the South Side yeah. looked like in the 19th century. Yeah, so. But, but, it, but it, was a, it was an anachronism in Chicago, really. But if, if you were to go back and, and, and review this, and this is why whenever the government does something, I just shudder. If you were to take every single house, I mean, I know the building I'm in, what, what the people did before me and what I've done, it's a 100 year old place, for God's sake, 110. How much money that has been poured into this place in the last 30 years, by the way, well worth it, to take it from the apartments the way they were, and the building was damn near falling down, and the windows and roof and you name it, the amount of, of capital that's gone into one building, and yet every single house or building on the block and every building in the entire area has undergone that same sort of transformation. But the thing of it was, it was all private capital. and It was all people invested money and either were able to live there nicely and then sell it for probably a lot more than they paid into it. Maybe not, but at least, maybe even at least even. That was all private capital. Once you let a place go destitute, like the South Side, I don't think that no matter what, if somebody dropped you and I a billion dollars tomorrow, that our first move was going to pick an empty block at 63rd and Halstead and start building eight nine, nice houses hoping there isn't there isn't a building left for a saloon, not that, that that makes a difference. There's not a building left for a restaurant. All that stuff has to start from scratch. And starting from scratch is just too big of a jump. That's why the the, uh, the Prairie Avenue District and so forth, well, is there a coffee shop? Not yet. You know, there's the, if, you, if the places are still up, no matter how much it costs to redo them, it's easier than say, man, we, we don't have a coffee shop in this neighborhood. We don't have a bar. We don't have a restaurant. We don't have a breakfast joint. I mean, when, once you reach that state, we don't have a school, we don't have a church. Once you reach that stage, Jan, it, then all of a sudden government gets involved. Then it's all bleeped up. I think right. the thing that, that I mean, it's been the curse of, of South Side redevelopment, whereas the North Side really had, you know, sort of a head start. Is there's, there's no charm factor in developing an empty block, even if it's close to downtown, even if it's close to the lake. You, you can't build a charming enough place 
it's going to be too expensive to, to replicate what used to be there, you know, 130, 40 years ago anyway. But you're not going to give people enough of a reason to locate there just to say they live there. And if the neighborhoods on the north side, for whatever inefficiencies they had built in or, you know, abused housing stock or whatever, there's a, a tremendous charm factor in Old Town to this day and in Lincoln Park and in Lakeview and in Edgewater and other neighborhoods in Ravenswood, even in my neighborhood here, of, of survivor buildings that, you know, show the, the different styles of living and, and the, 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 the neat interaction of bungalows and two flats and courtyard, everything. And it's all solid stuff, and it's stood the test of time, and it hasn't gotten burned to the ground, and it hasn't become completely given over to gangs and, and nefarious people. But but you're right. You, you don't just go back into the South Side and create you know, the, the greater Bronzeville area to anything like it was when it was Bronzeville. And it was a flourishing place back in the 20s and 30s when it was Bronzeville. You couldn't create that now, no matter how much money well, you Well, but in it. terms of charm, uh, Southside, you know, you and I are from there, the lots are bigger, streets are wider, there's more parks. <laughs> I mean, in terms of actual footprint, there's no comparison. Oh, yeah, just and neighbors like Kenwood and even Hyde Park yeah. and Beverly and, and, you know, Chatham. These these were generous lots, um, single-family homes galore. And even in the, in the denser neighborhoods in, in Oakland and Douglas and Grand Boulevard, Bridgeport. I mean, Bridgeport's an example of, of yeah, something that Bridgeport was has, a, has retained a lot well, of its br- charm, despite all of its confusion. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have... Call it charm. It's it's like the North Side. It's yeah, it's, like, it's, you know, it's got the, the 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 feeling of a movie set. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little too, little too preciously preserved for some people's taste. And there's a lot of new fancy developments there too, and gated communities along Bubbly Creek and stuff I never would have envisioned. And it seems to have sold and it's prosperous looking. I don't know if I particularly want to live there, but um, what do we do? Sit there and bet on the bubbles? Enough people to make it viable. So Matt, Matt, you know where Bubbly Creek is? Bubble Creek. No, I'm not familiar. See, see, we, 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 it's the south south fork of the South Branch. <laughs> of the South Fork of the South Branch of Chicago River, right went right by the stockyards, uh-huh. and it used to have so many carcasses and stuff found its way in there that the thing would bubble <laughs> up top as the stuff was decaying in the bottom. Oh. I think what they need to do, John, just as a urban renewal, they need to dam the thing up for about a month, clean it all out. Can you imagine what they would find in there? Well, I- you could probably make a theme park out of it or you know, an extension of the Field Museum. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you just then let the water back in once you clean it up. But <laughs> do it a freak show. <laughs> <laughs> what, would you, what would you do with that? Good Lord. I don't know. And that's, that's the street where my mother's mother was born, in 32nd Street. At the end of her block was Bubbling Creek. It, was, it just, just dead ended in 32nd Street west of, of Troop. <laughs> you know, I want to mention just before we go to break, we had a call in uh, uh, in the last couple minutes uh, from uh, from Greg earlier, and uh, he mentions uh, we were talking about gas gas prices earlier, yep. and he said uh, in his words that uh, and uh, you have to forgive me, I you know I'm not I'm no gas expert myself, uh, so this is he says I have to have three years I believe of uh, capex infrastructure to make a uh, uh, a judgment of, of some sorts. Do with that what you will. Uh, a judgment, or a um, a uh, a better view of how the how that oh, yeah. is going to go. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's a. I mean, uh, oil has been on a boom and bust cycle of probably three to five years since. Surely, I'm, I'm going to say, babe, don't call me Shirley. 
Uh, I'm saying, like, well, my chart goes back to 73. You, you see the amount of rigs, prices goes down, everybody gets rid of the rigs. All of a sudden, oh, man, well, gas is expensive. Mm-hmm. Rigs go back up. It's just one of those It's just one of those kinds of businesses, John. There's, there's nothing. I don't know what we can do about it necessarily. Just, it's just the way it is. Uh, John, thank you very much. SB Futures up 24, and as if he's 102, we're trying to start the week out strong. We'll be right back. It's Audrey Johnson. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. When it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels, everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. All right, brain. You don't like me and I don't like you. Well, let's just do this and I can get back to killing you with beer. Oh, and back to Stacks and Jacks. Sometime I'll Matt Byrne on the board. That, that uh, thing he just played reminds me of the old Elka Selsa commercials where the stomach gets sit next to the guy and say, You want pizza? You're going to have heartburn. Yeah, you've got to go through me. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to go through me. SB Futures up 25, Nasdaq Futures up 100. Looks like a bullish day. 
uh, so far. Anyway, Dow Futures up 144. Definitely a different tone in the market the last few weeks. Uh, I think a lot, it has a lot to do with the Fed is supposedly being being uh, dovish, and I don't know after Friday's numbers, if anybody pays attention to them, I'm not going to be dovish, but people still think they're going to be, and maybe you know, maybe they're right. I, I actually think that Fed's not going to try and do anything to disturb the market, and somehow they're going to give the government more money that they're not because the taxes in this bill don't begin to begin to equal what they're going to spend. If you ask me, then again, nobody's asking me. Nikkei up seventy three point three percent, Shanghai up nine point three percent, Hang Seng down one fifty six point eight. Again, the Hang Seng is the toughest one over there. Europe, we got the DAX up one thirteen point eight percent, FTSE up forty point five percent, kick around up seventy one. That's a full one percent. On Friday, we had a, a mixed day. Uh, this is after shooting around real up and down in the morning after the numbers came out. Dow ended up up 76, S&P down 6, NASDAQ down 63. Kind of a boring day. Uh, bonds, d- uh, down another three basis points, 2.80. Very strange, very strange. Uh, Bund down four basis points, 0.91. These guys were up to 1.85 or something. Japan down to one point. Well, they're up one today, but still 0.18, which is below even the 0.25 they got up to. Oil. Coming back here a little bit. It's only down 93 cents now. 88.08. It was down. It was under 88. Uh, Brent up down 93 cents. 93.99. Natural gas down 26 cents. 7.79. Arbob unchanged at 286. Gold continues to rally here a little bit. Up over 1800. 18.02. Up 11.10. Silver up 46 cents now. Boy, Dan was right to get some silver down. 19 and a quarter on Thursday. 20 dollars and 30 cents. Uh, copper down a penny. 354. Copper. It's kind of weird here. The gold and silver are going up now, and copper is not. So uh, you see some kind of a disparity in, in some of these prices of the companies. Uh, we've got crypto up 916, nine Bitcoin 24,103. We're talking that one up as well. We've got the U.S. dollar. Um, actually, uh, the European, well, let's call that unchanged. 102, the euro dollar is 102 to the dollar. So we still can't get under a buck, not that we want to. We're hanging above that. What do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Hey, good morning. Currently 737, Monday, August 8th, 2022. In the MLB yesterday, Cubs with uh, home with Marlins lose 0-3. White Sox uh, uh, win against Texas 8-2. Diamondbacks versus Colorado. Diamondbacks win 6-4. Tonight, Cubs with Washington Nationals and Diamondbacks with uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now for weather in Chicago, uh, currently overcast. Rain later in the afternoon, 78 degrees currently, a high of 83 and a low of 69. Keep in mind an aerial flood watch is in effect until tomorrow. Now in Phoenix, uh, clear skies, 85 degrees, a high of 105 degrees, a low of 85. Oh, we've hit our low there. now for traffic in Chicago, heavy traffic westbound on the Eisenhower between Costner Avenue to Des Plaines. Traffic westbound on the Kennedy between Cumberland Avenue to Lawrence Avenue. Heavy traffic westbound on the Kennedy between West Diversity Road to Harlem Avenue. Uh, it's caused by an accident earlier. A semi uh, overturned uh, and it was blocking the road uh, partially on the Kennedy. Uh, traffic northbound on the Stevenson between the ramp at 94 East to Lakeshore Drive. And finally, traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between South LaSalle Street to the Jane Burn Interchange downtown. So I got Chief. Back to you. So, you know, a year from now, you'll hop out of the car and you'll start interviewing the truck driver and the police and everybody. That'll be that'll be, that'll, that'll be when I go into my uh, 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 my uh, press uh, my, my press years. Yeah, maybe, maybe you can get us press pants as Matty Weber's <laughs> failed miserably on that for twelve oh, years. I can try. I can put on my, my best newsboy cap and, and, and plead with them. Press, press. Yeah. Do, oh, we have, yeah. do we have Miss Audrey? Hello. Hey, how are you? 
I'm okay. I am somewhat losing you, so if I do, I will try calling back. Okay. Um, we'll give it a shot here. All right. What's a, um, hey, I wanted to get a little bit of a report from you on what's going on in the retail, or um, retail, the real estate business, but, you know, I you know Aud, Aud and I we you know we talk I don't really dig into her business at all and the people and so forth I just get anecdotal but you know it's it, what it seems to me that um, you know what you would normally expect in an economy like this and the, and the price in the housing that have gone up pretty dramatically in the last year and a half or two that you'd be able, you'd see a lot of trading that people would come out of a condo and they made a lot of money on and they, and they go into a house and stuff but you you get a lot of you've got a lot of in the last six months, you know, a lot of first-time buyers of young couples and so forth. What is their, what businesses are they coming out of? It seems like uh, they're all pretty successful and, and making way more than the minimum wage to be buying these homes. And you've come across, it's, it's not just people trading houses. You, What, are these people blue-collar necessarily? Are they white-collar? Are they doctors? Or is it just a big mixed bag? Well, I think you see a, a lot of mix and but the average the average price of the house now is, is very is creeping up, and a lot of first time buyers, uh, where years ago maybe it was a hundred hundred and fifty thousand dollar house, I mean you're seeing uh, uh, first time buyer house in the area three to three fifty. But if you have um, a couple working, say she's a nurse, she's a policeman, or they're um, Somebody's in the trade. You've got a carpenter, electrician, uh, and a teacher. You have two people making a decent salary. You know, they can do it. So and at that time, with the three percent interest rate, it saves you several hundred dollars a month. But they're they're doing a, a lot of your people have done this on their own. It's not the fifty grand from mine pie. It's, a, it's their own dough, right? No, you've got a lot of every now and then. You know, somebody will maybe need a gift for uh, towards a down payment, which. Uh, you know, parents can do. You can give so much to a kid every year, ten or eleven thousand dollars tax free, and that helps. But I get kids now that, um, contrary to what some people believe, are very good savers and have socked their money away and stayed in a little apartment and did without the fancy car and the fancy clothes and put their money away. And I've got kids who are able to put fifty, sixty, eighty thousand dollars home down on their first house. Well, I, I just hope that we don't get some kind of a, a big shift the other way where it, anybody ever loses that money because that, that's what happened in 7 and 8. I'm sure as hell I want to see it happen again. I, I get the yeah, feeling in your it's area... Not the same, it's not the same thing. I don't, I don't see that happening at all. And there's actually still a big shortage of inventory out this way of nice houses. You'll see houses that are... Now the difference is that when a house comes to market and it's not ready to go in a great show shape, it's sitting on the market and you're going to see a pretty rapid price reduction within two days to a week if it doesn't move right away. But the homes that are still great shape, buyer ready, current, uh, they are still have multiple offers and, and moving. So things are not, the prices are not running up um, a lot you know, as fast. I did see, which was interesting, the prices were going up on the ready homes and the homes that were not quite ready from prime time, shall we call it, uh, were sitting and getting price reduction. So it's a very divergent market right now. Well, I think Nancy uh, spent a lot of time last week talking about how 
I mean, she's getting people into these homes. And like you say, a lot of the are younger people. They've saved their money and everything. But but if they saved sixty grand, all right, to, to put for a down payment, they want to use it for the down payment. They don't they don't want to use forty for the down payment and then somehow have to remodel a kitchen for twenty. They want no part of that. They want the yeah, six the, si- the sixty. Is that a recent phenomenon, or is that just people don't want a second more or a second mortgage for the to borrow money to rehab it or something something? I mean, it, uh, is it can you get a second mortgage these days without any any kind of problems or what? Well, it depends. You get uh, a home equity line of credit. Of course, that's brought up too. Uh, if you're doing an FHA loan, you could get an FHA rehab wrap alone loan, but that's something that. You can't be a rehabber yourself, then you have to hire professionals to do it. Really? But I think the phenomenon you're talking to is going back, you're talking about, it's going back about five years. I've seen it grow. And I don't know what's the advent of HGTV, where people just want things done. I think between that and the fact that a lot of young people now, unless you're in the trade, they don't know how to fix anything, they don't know how to remodel anything before. Every guy coming up had a dad that taught him how to do things. But a lot of girls, too. I mean, my dad taught me how to fix a lot of things. I thought it was very enjoyable. And more and more women are getting into fixing things and contracting work, as you can see by the fact that you can now buy King Power Tools at any of the big box stores, too. So I think that it's just just different. People don't have the time. They don't have the skill. They're both working two jobs that might have kids. So... The fact that they're going to gut rehab a house or even tear a kitchen apart and be without one when you have uh, a couple of little kids is very it's difficult and impossible. So they'll pay up to be moving ready to make their life less complicated. Well, plus if you have one or two kids, one of them you know under the age of I never had one of them. I'm, I'm guessing if you got a kid under the age of one, last thing you want is to be swimming in plaster dust. I mean, it's I mean I, I used to remodel places as you know and. I really enjoyed it until I I did one when I lived there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like this at all. This this blows basically. No, it's very it's very <laughs> difficult. If somebody's living with a microwave and a mini fridge, uh, yeah. it's always an, an impossible situation. If you're also trying to just have a normal life, so it people will take obviously the most direct route if they possibly can afford to do so. But for the people who have the skills and knowledge. You can still get a bargain and make a few bucks and move in with, uh, you know, instant equity. Well, is it even possible? I mean, I think we might have got one uh, when I was doing that back in the day. Is it even possible to see, uh, find a place that, you know, is not torn down, but say, well, you and I, we saw the one where the two older ladies lived there. And it, you could have walked, you could have moved in there well, if you got all their stuff out of there, which would have been eight weeks. You you could easily I mean you could have lived in the place. I mean, if you didn't mind the green sink and the and the red toilet, I mean, but everything worked, right? The heat worked and the whole bit. I mean, you could have lived there for a while. I mean, you could live you could have lived there forever, really, if you didn't if you took your uh, your you didn't look at anything. If, if you didn't mind living back yeah. in the nineteen sixties. Yeah, um, but I mean, is is it possible? It used to be where you'd say, "All right, I'm buying this place for two hundred. It's really worth two fifty. Can, can you get the extra 50 as part of the mortgage to rehab? Is that even possible anymore no. or no? Because no, that used to be possible. Like that. You have to get a separate, separate loan. And that, one of the things that, that house that we looked at, that what you're talking about, uh, 
that house sold for, I remember correctly, 220 but fixed up in that neighborhood, completely redone, is worth about 350 So those people uh, got a good bargain, and they're going to make themselves a pile of money. Um, but, I mean, you can't... You used to be able to yoke together those loans. Oh, you can't anymore. Or the loan, no, you one loan. That, that was over after uh, the big debacle because it got crazy and people were ripping things off and taking advantage of it, as people are do, similar to the PPE program. So, um, no, and then 110% mortgages with cash back. Yeah, you cannot do that anymore. So if I were to buy that place, well, first of all, hopefully... If I was in the business, I wouldn't be getting a mortgage, but then I would go out and get some kind of a loan and for the other 50 and then I would uh, then hopefully put the 50 well, if you've in. got a house free and clear and you have something to pledge, that's a different story. Yeah, you could do that. There's still, there's still a little light on that. I mean, it's that's why you see people, it's easier to buy a 1,000 homes than it is to buy two, right? I mean, it's a crazy world we're in. It's a, well, it's like anything else. Once you got credibility, you can roll on it. Like the bank will give you a loan when you don't need it. It's kind of the same kind of thing. Well, I mean, you and I know uh, guys will go nameless. They got into this business. I'm going to say ten years ago, and they they put down a they bought a house, you know, for like sixty, um, and you know, in an, an area where they maybe wasn't the best and it was in pretty rundown shape. Well, they they got a, a loan. They put the uh, um, so put fifty into it, and we're leasing it out. You know, FHA or whatever. Same thing for a second house, third house, fourth house. So now they got an inventory of four homes that appraise out at you know two fifty a piece. They go to the bank and say we want to buy fifty, and they go, we're not giving you fifty. Now if you were if you were uh, you know BlackRock and want to buy five thousand, you're going to get that loan, right? I mean, it's a uh, yep. Unfortunately, that's another phenomenon that is unfortunately sweeping the country is that big conglomerations are buying up homes for cash and. The mod investment that made part of America great is being much more difficult to come by because these places have cash, they'll pay up, and they'll step in front of people. But what is happening is when they fix these up, say this is a company that buys them to rent, the renting standards are so high before, when people rent now, maybe they're brand new, they don't have much credit. They don't have a lot of money. Sometimes the landlord, oh, okay, goes, I'll give you another hundred bucks off. I'll give you a break. A lot of these places, if the rent is two thousand, they ask for three or four times the amount of rent that you have to show as income. Now, if you have that much money, you're probably not going to have a lot of rent. You're going to buy something. No, no, so people that are making they're cornering the market and forcing people into a position where, even in these uh, the areas, I mean that you know are just being rehabbed, the rent is so high. And it's really doing a disservice to the fabric of America, I think. Well, there's not many people making eight grand a month. I mean, there's some, but it's not, percentage-wise, it's not very many. Have, have you actually ever, uh, I know you've heard about it, and some of your agent friends, but you've never actually been outbid on a house by a corporation yet, have you? I've done it for rentals, yeah. Really? And, it's, and the people have had to pay up, and it's, uh, but... Oh, so and I mean, you, cases, and it's very, uh, it, it, it's hard, but they pay that much money, and that's the problem then. They're almost trapped to the point where, yes, they could qualify. They had to live somewhere. This is what was there. Uh, you've got to mess. They're usually a very high criteria uh, as far as credit scores and uh, employment factors. 
So they qualified and they took it because they needed to move, but it's so much money uh, and it's tying up. So they had to, you know, give this, have this much money to qualify and then they, they might want twice as much for a security deposit. So one place wanted 2000 for rent and 4000 for a security deposit. Yeah, might as well buy something that's five percent down and yeah, look at it. Yeah, if you got six grand to go, you can get something. Well, that's, that's what's happening in a lot of places now. Well, what? Uh, so, in other words, some of the some of the rentals that you've tried to put people in those have been bought up by corporation. You're renting from the corporation, but you haven't exactly. actually huge corporations who are buying thousands of places. But you haven't exact. You haven't like gone after a house or a condo yet, where you put a bid in and BlackRock like came in 20 grand over you yet that hasn't happened um it hasn't happened to me but it's happening all over the area with really whether it's black rock or other course it's happening everywhere uh so quite a few years and now it's becoming so prevalent uh you know like they're going and buying blocks like they did that in Detroit bought blocks of thousands of houses they're going to towns that are that are right for that but then what they're doing is eliminating the possibility for the residents or outside businesses and outside people to go in and improve that and improve their own lives. It's all becoming corporate, much as the way our American farmland is going. But well, don't get me started too. on that. Oh, I know. Well, I remember the, uh, well, we had one of my clients, I mean, I don't know why he sent it to me because I'm certainly uh, not some huge developer or anything like that. What, what did the guy own? He owned like 700 properties, houses over on the I won't say the east side, but east east of the Ryan. So I guess it was technically the east side, but mostly all single family homes in pretty nice neighborhoods. I mean, uh, and I, I the I would never have guessed that you know eight hundred homes or whatever they were in that few square mile area were owned by this one company and not by the people who lived in them. I mean, evidently, there's a massive. And it's, uh, it's it's not a good trend, I don't believe. No, I mean you know the idea that every person has their own own place. I mean. It, I don't, I don't buy that necessarily that formula. I mean, if no, I don't think everybody. I don't think everybody needs to own, but I think renting at a reasonable price at reasonable security deposits is something that people need available to them, and I think that's something the government should watch. Nobody should have to put two or three times down for security rental unless you're such a raving risk that yeah. you brought it on yourself. Like some lady who might have a couple of dogs or something. No, I mean, sometimes you'll get people that will come out of a bankruptcy yeah, yeah, or a foreclosure. But, but you and, again, now if you have horrible credit, maybe your credit is 500 and nobody's going to touch you. I've had people who actually had the cash, saved the money, tried to turn their lives around, and have offered the landlord six months rent up front or even a year up front so they could get established and have a place to live. Now, it's possible with an individual but it's not really possible a lot of times with the corporation. So again, it's shutting off opportunity for people who are trying to take control of their lives again. Well, you would never have guessed, you know, back when we were growing up, if you had a, a square mile of, you know, 1,500 bungalows, that 500 of them would have been leased. I mean, you would never have dreamed that. You would assume... No, we, it was very different. Yeah. Uh, but it's because back course when I was growing up, all those bungalows and small homes and... Uh, were occupied by people who worked locally in the, in the factories and towns, you know, right around Chicago. Right. I mean, many people lived, uh, back before everybody had two or three cars, 
you took the bus or you took the train, uh, driving to suburbs was a phenomenon or losing jobs when how many steel companies shut down in, in Chicago. My dance plant when I was a kid moved from 16th and Western Avenue out to Melrose Parkway back then. So well, look what it did. The whole fabric of what supported neighborhoods changed. Well, when Ryerson left that area, and so did Romano Brothers. Just think what it did to uh, the Feebos and the famous for nothing bar. Put them out of business. <laughs> because I mean, it's, you're, you're all it's true. And look what looks what's happening right now in downtown Chicago. Right, it's the same thing. All the supporting businesses, the trading floors, the office buildings are empty with people right now. So all the supporting businesses around your office have closed. Well, there's a vibrancy that definitely used to be here that's missing, and I think if you if you don't, oh, it's like a ghost town. Well, if you don't get it, if you don't get it back at some point, I think I think you got a problem. I mean, uh, especially your your infrastructure and the beauty of the loop was to get people downtown. I mean, you know, my, my stepfather, I mean, he worked downtown his whole life, and uh, and he says, you know. Chicago is, is, is incredible because you can get a really good employee that can back, get back and forth to work efficiently and safely for two bucks a day. That, it is dramatic what that, what that means to your being able to, able to employ people as opposed to having yeah, well, a car. Well, that, that ship is sort of sailed. But, but he, he said those days they, they, they'd pay terrific. I mean, most of the secretaries and stuff were ladies in those days, but they, you, you had, I mean, they, the family had one car. The guy went off to work. Lady hopped on a bus or the train. <clears throat> had a decent job, and, and guess what? Her, her costs of going back and forth to work. I mean, when I was at Pullman, what CTA was what fifty cents, or a, or a buck yep. at the most. I mean, and, and it was and not great ourselves here, but okay. Well, but I'm saying that's but that's the vibrancy of a downtown area. That's why New York can exist because you can get from place to place real fast and real cheap. Right, and uh, just get killed on their subway. Well, I so. mean, this. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, you. But it's just, uh, yeah. it's a shame. I mean, you know, the cities have deteriorated so much for as far as crime. New York, Chicago, people don't want to be there. I mean, I myself who used to love downtown Chicago. I don't, as you well know, I don't even want to go downtown anymore. So the problem is, unless in Chicago they change the crime and they get people to come back to work downtown. It's going to, you know, see a, uh, I don't see anything good on the horizon for Chicago right now. Let's put it that way. No, I don't either. And I, but I, but I sure hope it somehow that changes. I mean, uh, plus you. I hope it. I hope it changes. Beautiful city, and it's it's uh, too much crying for me right now. You know what, though, is is the tourism is really back. I don't think. I mean, I think some of the tourism. Matter of fact, uh, we were at a uh, party yesterday, and one of the guys was a. Uh, uh, he was what, what hotel group was he with? I don't remember, but he's a big chef for his hotel group. And he goes, some of the areas, Boston, uh, New York, even Chicago, some of these places they're they're eighty some percent occupied, especially in Boston. Some of these tourist areas, people people are right back into the trip they didn't take for two or three years. They're taken. I don't think Chicago it's because of the convention stuff. I mean, you can't really fill Chicago up unless McCormick Place is filled up with fifty thousand people. I mean, there's just there's that many hotel rooms here, but uh, but some of the areas, I think Vegas is doing somewhat better. I mean, uh, there there is some travel. I think. I mean, it's it's not all doom and gloom. Well, I'd like to say I'd love to see everything uh, get back to normal, but it's going to be uh, a little rocky ride here. I think. Oh, I think so too. So, what uh, 
Do you think if 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 we have a, a turn down, I'm agreeing with you. I don't think it's going to be like 2007, 2008. What do you, what do you think? The housing prices drop 10, 15 percent. People can absorb that. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I don't. I don't believe it's going to happen. Well, we better we start paying people. Kind of bump along here. Well, that that'd be nice. They ever to grow into it is what you're saying. That would be the nice thing to have happen, right? I think I think it's gonna yeah, it's gonna settle down. We're definitely over over the run up appreciation. We're just gonna bump along here, I believe. I don't think people have to be in fear for their investments right now, unless the government screws up even more than they have. Uh, I do think the Fed needs to, uh, to stop because they will throw us into. We're already in a recession. I don't care what, however you want to define it. Uh, the average person is living in a recession. Without a They're doubt. They're still doing okay. But uh, it's going to be, if the government doesn't screw it up, the average person will manage to make it through. We need to get rid of this recession to get the gas back down. I would agree. Well, thank you very much. SP Futures now up 28 and has up 93. We're, uh, we look like a rally day here. We'll tell you all about it tomorrow morning. Thanks, Matt. Well, I take care. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jackson. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.